listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So every evening, our family uh, has a routine, and, and this is how it goes. Um, it, it, it looks something like this. There's slight variation from night to night, um, but, uh, but this is what our routine looks like. I'll say something like, uh, boys, it's time for bed, right? And my 12-year-old son will look at me completely blank-faced, like just so straight and say, What's bed? <laughs> What's bed? And uh, I, I mean, it happens every time, like clock, clockwork. Then my other son, Owen, who's the only extrovert in our family, right? He can't get enough of people. He wants to be with people all the time. People energize him, run around the neighborhood. You know, like I come home from church and I'm like, get me to my bed, you know? And he's like, yes, let's go play, you know? And, and so, um, so when it's time for bed, my son, my son Owen, who's the extrovert, he, he immediately starts trying to convince Kim, my wife, that he needs to sleep in our room with her and that I probably wouldn't mind sleeping in the guest room. <laughs> After I firmly let him know that I very much would mind sleeping in the guest room and not my own bed, uh, that's usually about the time chaos ensues, like in the house, just like all of a sudden it's just like, Wah! You know, everybody's going crazy. Owen usually ends up standing on top of the coffee table uh, trying to convince us he isn't tired. Uh, Meanwhile, Dylan plays dead under a blanket. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll say something like, uh, get your bed clothes on. And, and they'll look at me and, and, and be like, I am in my bed clothes. Clearly, they're wearing the same clothes they've worn all day, you know. Um, so uh, I'll be like, brush your teeth, comes back after literally 10 seconds, right? And says, oh, yeah, teeth, teeth are brushed. And I look at them, bright yellow, right? Bright yellow. And then after... After we get that far, both boys, who, mind you, have been eating and drinking me into bankruptcy, right, all of a sudden are hungry and thirsty. Who, who, who knows that? Parents, right? Right? Right. And, and, uh, and then we have to do the brushing the teeth madness all over again. It's chaos, I tell you. It's chaos. And after about 40 minutes of this, right, uh, my need machines finally, finally start to settle down, right? Uh, we pray together, hugs and kisses ensue, and, and, and they, they start their audio books that they listen to while they're trying to go to sleep, and, and then I gently make my way out of the room, trying not to disturb or cause them to ask any more questions. I'm done with questions for the day, right? Um, and fully exhausted after all this craziness, Kim and I make our way down to the couch, right? And, and we, we touch base with each other for a minute. And, uh, you know, because basically we've been like, yeah, 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 you know, all day behind them, basically. And um, so we touch base and finally ready to relax. We turn on the TV, usually like a crime show where the murder is solved around 45 minutes and, and everything is resolved and there's no resounding issues and I can just go to sleep, right? And um, so uh, 
But oh no, bedtime isn't over at that point. You would, you would, you would think it's over at that point, but no, it's not. Um, this is where the visits begin. When Kim and I are trying to un- unwind, this is where visits start happening. It's more hugs, more water. Uh, and, and after they found everything that they conveniently left downstairs before they went to bed, they go to sleep. Completely exhausted by now, Kim and I resume our show um, and, and, and usually doze off somewhere around the middle because we're just like, uh, you know. Um, this is our moment of, of nightly relief from the day, right? This is our moment. It's quiet. The house is kind of still, sort of, right? Uh, yet we know tomorrow we have to get up and do it all over again, Right? Because that's adulting, right? <laughs> that, that, that's life, right? And uh, that moment of relief is a fleeting moment for us. And sometimes it's not quite as long as we would like it to be. But, but it's, it's a fleeting moment. And because life is so, so much bigger than relief, right? Life is bigger than relief. There's a difference between relief and life, right? Uh, medicine, you know, relieves pain, right? Like if there's a pain medication, the medicine can relieve pain, but only until it wears off, right? The pain's still there. It just may be masked, right? Um, Unless you deal with the problem, you know, you're facing, uh, medicine only offers a temporary solution in most cases. And and it's, uh, it's easier to look for relief than it is to transform your life, right? I had a friend, um, I had my appendix out um, a while back and and I had a a friend who's a little older than me facing the same thing and he did not want to have surgery. He's one of like those conspiracy theorists, you know, like (laughs) what is the doctor going to do to me while I'm under, you know? Um, And I know they're, not to make light of people who've suffered that, sorry. Um, But... um, but yeah, he, had his, he, he needed to have his appendix out, and rather than having the surgery to have his appendix out, he transformed his whole life. He became like a vegan, and he stopped, you know, he, he was a big beer and whiskey guy, and he stopped alcohol altogether, trans, transformed his life, and he didn't end up having to have the surgery, which was crazy. I, I'd never even heard of that, but... Um, but it's easier to look for relief. I was just like, take the thing, man. I don't want it, you know? <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need I'm good without it. I'm good without it. And, um, <laughs> and so it's easier to look for relief than it is to transform your life, right? And, and that's why it's so easy to get hooked on pain pills, right? I mean, that is an epidemic right now. I mean, Ray will tell you he knows all, all the facts, and Brooke, too, like... Um, they speak on drugs and alcohol to teenagers, and um, it's an epidemic right now, and, it, and it's impacted my own family, and I'm sure many of yours. And, uh, it, and the key thing is that there's a difference between relief and life, right? Uh, the last several years, I had a lot of trouble with my back, 
going out on me. And, and trust me, there is no, nothing more emasculating than just like walking up the stairs and you're just like normally walking up the stairs and then you take one step and you're like, oh, oh, oh down to your knees, right? Except for maybe when you sneeze and throw your back out, Sean Tarkin. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, it's crazy. And so I would go to the chiropractor a couple of times a month, like sometimes three times a month, to just to get some significant relief, you know, just to find some relief in this pain and, and, and like loosen up and be able to walk up the stairs without like falling to my knees in pain. And, and uh, it wasn't until I made serious changes in my life that I started to need less and less relief. Does that make sense? Yeah. I needed less relief when I changed my life, right? Because there's a difference between relief and life. And if, if you've been with us at all over the last few months, you know we're making our way through the book of John, and today we're in John 7. And uh, before John 7, though, uh, Jesus was teaching to a large gathering of people. Uh, it was around 5,000 people. And Jesus taught so long, and, and the people were so amazed and moved by his words that no one noticed it was getting late. And, and, and the people got hungry and restless, and the disciples came to Jesus and, and asked him to st- stop teaching so we can send, you know, so that we can send the people away so that they can eat, right? And before it gets too late. But instead, Jesus challenges the, the disciples to feed them, right? He says, gather up what food you can find from the crowd and put it all in one place. And when they did that, it amounted to like a few loaves of bread, a couple fish, you know, and Jesus took it, he gathered it, and he gave thanks. And they started to distribute it, right? And out of this few, fi- uh, few fish and loaves of bread, the crowd ate till they were all full and they had a ton left over, right? After this miracle, Jesus' following grew immensely. It, it, it went from hundreds to thousands, right? And, and, but this, this growth, this like burst of growth in Jesus' following was, was short-lived. Because once Jesus began to share with them who he was and, and what it took to follow after him, the large group of people you know, so a lot of them started to peel off, right, in droves. And, and uh, the entertainment factor of the miracle was over. And when things got real, right, when things got real, the truth began to seep out that they didn't, that they just simply, they didn't believe Jesus. They didn't believe what he was saying. And, and because of this, Jesus' followers rapidly scaled back again, down to a few hundred. And, and after all this takes place, Jesus goes back home to Galilee, where his family was. And uh, that's where we find him in chapter 7. For some time now, the Jewish religious leaders have been seeking to arrest Jesus, right? And... uh, but Jesus knew the Father's timing for him, and it wasn't time for that yet at this period. In the Bible, the John chapter 7 makes a lot of references to, to the timing, like, like uh, the Pharisees, who are the Jewish religious leaders, sent people to arrest him, but nobody would lay a hand on him or, or talk openly about him in favor of him because it wasn't his time yet. 
And, and so there's, there's something to that, you know. I, there's something to that, that timing where, you know, if you're in God's will, you're going to be, you need to resolve yourself to his timing, you know. And, uh, and so that's what Jesus is doing here. And uh, Jesus knew that it wasn't the Father's time for him yet. So, uh, so, he, so there was this celebration and, and going on in Judea. And uh, it's called the Festival of Booths, or also sometimes it's referred to as the Festival of Tabernacles, which in essence was a festival that lasted several days where people gathered and they actually lived in like leafy shelters during this festival during this festival, um, and uh, they did it in honor of God's provision of the Israelites, right, when, when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, and, and during this time period, God provided their people's every need in incredible ways throughout this 40-year period, even though they were wandering in, in, in isolation, in the desert, in the wilderness, and and uh, they received food literally that fell from the sky, right? Manna, right? They, they, they even saw God perform a miracle through Moses where water came through a stone. They're in the desert, and there's water coming out of a stone, right? How incredible is that? And, and so everything that they needed to live was provided for them by God through this period of, of time. And, and uh, Jesus... So this festival is going on in Judea, right? And Jesus is up in Galilee, and there's like a whole like hubbub, right? Is that a word? That's a word, right? There's like a whole hubbub going on, like the crowd's murmuring about Jesus, waiting to see if he's going to arrive. There's like all kinds of tension around who is he? Is he a man? Is he God? Is he, you know, the Messiah? Is he just a lunatic, right? And there's just really this huge mixed crowd at this festival. And, and uh, so Jesus waits to the festival, for the festival to begin. And um, he goes up to Judea in secret. Because the Jewish community, again, like I said, was, was divided about Jesus. And some said he was a good man and others thought he was a heretic, right? Um, not to mention the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him. So that's a pretty good reason to like take your time getting there, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> but, but his, his, his secret didn't last long because about the middle of the festival, Jesus stands up right in the temple and starts teaching. Wow. Right. Stands up in the middle of this very mixed crowd and starts teaching. Right. And, and this, this just split the crowd even further. It ignited the crowd. And, and some began to ask if this man was the Christ uh, we've been waiting on. Others said, man, clearly this dude is demon-possessed. Like, get him out of here. Like, let's, like, let's get rid of this guy. And, and this is a very tense, tense situation, but no one would lay a finger on him because of God's timing, right? No one would lay a finger on him. Even when the Pharisees sent officers to arrest Jesus at the festival, they came back empty-handed. Why? They could have done it. It's not like Jesus ran away from them. But they came back empty-handed because, and this is what they told the Pharisees, they said, no one, we've never heard anyone speak like this man. We've never heard anyone speak like this man. 
And that just lit up the Pharisees. Um, he was different, right? There was something different about Jesus that, than anyone had ever seen. And, and this is where we pick up the story in verse 37. It's the last day of the festival, the biggest, grandest part of the, part of the festivities. And, and uh, Jesus had one more thing to say before the festival was over. And it's absolutely critical that we understand this. This is John 7, 37 uh, through 39. It says this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And what they mean by glorified is, is, is crucified and raised to life. And, and uh, so that's when the Holy Spirit begins to come in Acts. And that's the Spirit that the Scripture is talking about. And Jesus stands up in the middle of this giant festival in a crowd that could really tip either way. Like think about the Super Bowl today. Right? Like, I mean, even in here, I know there are some secret Patriot fans. So, like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, like, I'm, I'm looking at you, Bells, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but but um, I, think about it. Like, man, he is in a place that is split, right? And he stands up in this giant festival and, 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 you know, this, these, this, these, this festival could turn either way. They could go against him or for him at any moment. And, and he has the audacity to stand up in the middle of this group and say, come to me. Come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me and believe and I'll quench that thirst forever. I'll quench the thirst forever. Come to me and believe, and I'll put my spirit inside of you. Why is that significant? Why is what Jesus is saying significant? I think it's ironic that all the people in Judea are celebrating a period of 40 years where God provided their every need while they were wandering in the desert. And Jesus, here he is, God's greatest provision, right? Standing before them saying, come to me and I will provide you with life. I'll provide you with life. Come to me. It's so simple and yet so hard to do because it takes surrender. And that's a dirty word in our culture. When things get tough and confusing, right? We tend to go everywhere else but Jesus. Looking for provision. 
I had a pretty hurtful situation happen this week that really rattled me. And uh, I'm just being honest, you know, like I'm, I'm a, I, I, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm just a dude too, you know, and um, my wife is just a lady dude and, you know, um, so, uh, <laughs> and so I struggle just like everybody else and I try to be open about it, you know, and, and, uh, and I, I had a hurtful situation happen this week that really rattled me and all week this thing that happened sat in the back of my mind like a splinter. Have you ever been there? It just kind of affected everything you did and saw just the landscape of everything in your life, right? It just affected it. And it disabled my ability to focus and think clearly. And, uh, but when it happened, did I go to Jesus with it? I bet you can probably guess the answer, you know? Uh, what I did do was I, eat, I ate a lot of stuff that was not good for me. Um, you know, I, uh, what else did I do? Let's see. I was grouchy. I slept a lot. Um, I allowed myself to slip into depression about it. And eventually depression morphed into anxiety and panic. Literally, I allowed the situation to affect me all week long. I tried praying about it. You know, I tried listening for God's voice to speak into the situation. I tried just ignoring it and getting over it, right? And just like moving on, like, okay, whatever, you know. I did everything but come to Jesus and surrender it. I did everything. I did everything but surrender my thirst for understanding and resolution in this situation. If I had surrendered it rather than sitting on it and trying all the things that don't bring lasting satisfaction, who knows what my week would have been like. I guarantee that if I had done that, Jesus would have brought peace to my soul. So why didn't I come to him? Why don't we come to him? What stops you from coming to him? Why do we sit on these things? And that's right, Vicki, you nailed it. Our sin nature. That's right. Because he promises right here, come to me in, in verse 37, come to me and drink and I will put my spirit in you. And it will be like rivers of living water to your soul. I needed that living water in my soul. My soul was dry and dusty and crabby. Right? If we're not careful... Uh, it's so key that he offers himself to us. He offers his spirit. He offers to put his spirit inside of us because if we're not careful, we can come to church and we can develop this attitude of wanting to get something from God, wanting to get something from God. And we have to be careful about that because we can develop an attitude of wanting to get something 
out of the message. Maybe it's a word for our life or direction. Maybe we're, we're trying to get this fix of, of a powerful worship moment. But the most transformative thing we can get from God at any given moment is God. Yes. Is his Holy Spirit inside of us. And that's what Jesus is offering, right? He's offering his spirit to dwell inside of us, right? Come to me. Come to me. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I think it's, I, I, I still think it's, it's funny that, that they're at a festival celebrating God's provision for them in the desert, and Jesus comes talking about water, right? Jesus comes talking about water. And, and I think a key thing here, as Ricardo and I were talking about this yesterday, is, is that a key thing is that, is that word, let me get back there. A river of living water. A river. A rushing river, right? Like, like I think sometimes when we think about God's provision, we think about it in terms of relief. Like, like, Like it's like a cup of water that we can just drink to get us by. You know? But if you're in the desert, a cup of water is not going to last you long. It's fleeting, right? Eventually, very soon, you're going to be thirsty. And that's that sin nature in us. We go to, the, we, we go to these other things, but they end up just being like, like a fleeting satisfaction. Just like a cup of water would be in the desert. But Jesus is offering rivers of living water. If you're in the desert and you're thirsty, you're dying, right? A cup of water will, will bring you some relief, but a well, a river of living water, a well springing up in the desert will lead to life. Yes. It will transform your life. Yes. Come to me. That's what Jesus is offering in this moment. That's what he's offering. And so why do we look for relief when Jesus offers us life? It's two very different things. Some of us try to make our life on relief. We go from relief to relief to relief. But that's not life. Right? The verse that Jesus is quoting uh, when he says this is actually out of Isaiah 55.1. Generations before this same word was spoken through Isaiah from God, it says, come, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, 
come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's free. It's free. My uncle Butch says, he's got this famous saying. Yes, I have an uncle named Butch. And his, his famous saying is, if it's free, it's for me. Right? If it's free, it's for me. And I love that. Because it's so true. Like, if it's free, we are like, like how, how many of you go to Costco on the, on the um, sample day? Right? Sample day. If it's free, it's for me, right? Like, I'm going to go around and get some lunch, right? Forget the pizza. There's lunch right here, and it's free, right? Man, so why don't we come? What stops us? There's this, there's this verse in, in, in Jeremiah 2.13, and it says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living water, living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is what we do when we choose something to fill our God need over God. Right? This is what we do when we choose the cup of water over the river of living water. Right? It's fleeting. It's fleeting. Come to the well. Come to the well that never runs dry. That's what Jesus is saying. Your satisfaction, you are designed to find your satisfaction in me. And not only can you find it in me, but I'm going to put myself in you. And it's going to be like a spring of living water. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you had a week like I did this week. But I just want to say, don't, don't sit on it any longer. If it's you, if you're there, if there's a situation that is causing you distress, if there's a situation that you need clarity on, Don't try to figure it out. Surrender it. There's freedom found in surrender. The reality is, is that if Jesus walked through those doors today, if I was kind of hoping somebody would just like walk through right then and there and you'll all be like, oh. <laughs> but the reality is if, if, uh, if Jesus were to walk through the doors today right now, there would probably, you know, you know, in our heads we think it would be glorious and, you know, we would, you know, all be excited. But the reality is if Jesus were to walk through the doors right now, there would probably be very mixed emotions because 
um, because Jesus exposes sin. And, and he doesn't coddle. I don't know if you've noticed that about him in the Bible with his disciples, but he does not coddle. The church, we coddle. You know, we're not afraid to, you know, to overlook certain sins or whatever, which I don't, I don't agree with, but it just, it, that's, you know, that's what we do. Um, Jesus doesn't coddle. He exposes sin, but he does. Here's the key thing is that, you know, all those other things in your life that you go to when you're confused or frustrated or down or whatever, all those other things, they'll coddle you but they won't offer you hope. They won't offer you hope for redemption. And if you can surrender your embarrassment and shame and humility without hardening your heart towards him, Jesus offers the forgiveness of sins and he offers hope, not to mention the only path to God. And so I don't know if you need that hope today as the worship team comes um, we're going to take communion here in just a moment, but I just want to say don't sit on it any longer if that's you. Don't allow those things that are not going to satisfy you to coddle you any longer. Take a stand. Take a stand. Don't settle. Don't settle for a cup of water when there's a river when there's a well to draw from. Let's go to prayer. Father God, Lord, I thank you just for your faithfulness, God. We are, only, we are always only one step away from your mercy, always one step away from your forgiveness, Lord. And yet sometimes we just decide to, to sit on the situation out of pride. Maybe we think we can figure it out ourselves. Maybe we, can, maybe we just like the way it feels to go from relief to relief, God. Maybe we don't know anything else. Maybe that's all we've ever lived. But God, I pray, Lord, right now, God, I pray over my brothers and sisters in this house, Lord, God, that you would draw, would, would bring the well close to them, Lord. Lord, that in your kindness and mercy, Lord, that you would come, that, that, that you would make yourself near to them. And that they would come to you like you ask. Father, that all shame and all fear and all pride would be laid down on the altar before you, God. Father, you didn't mean for us to live on relief. You gave us life. So, Father, we love you. You're so good to us, God.
And as we move into communion now, Lord, as we begin to turn our eyes to the sacrifice that you made for that life that we can have freely today. Lord, as we remember you as you asked us to, Lord, with the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine, Father, we remember that your body was broken for us, Lord, that your blood was spilled, Lord, that your side was pierced, that a crown of thorns was placed upon your head and a mocking sign that said, King of the Jews, that you were spit on and taunted. Lord, and that the the people that cried out to you in a loud voice Crucify him. Lord, I am no better than them. It's only by your grace. It's only by your mercy. Only by your spirit dwelling within me, God. That you call me your son. So Father God, as we turn our eyes, as we fix our gaze upon your sacrifice now, Lord. Let us wait no longer to come to the well. Let us dwell in the desert no longer. Father, let us not take our eyes off of you when the entertainment of the miracle is over, God. Let us live at that well. promise bring your spirit inside of us Lord and make us aware of it Father we remember you now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray and everybody said Amen Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.